It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Washington football team, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We welcome you to a new episode of the Locked On Washington football team podcast. I'm Chris Russell, your host. Right here on LOWFT. Coming up in today's show, you'll hear from Ron Rivera, an injury report for both teams, and head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Bruce Arians. But we are with you on the, uh, as we record this right before the Wednesday practice. The injury report uh, from Tuesday looked like this. And you should remember that there are a couple of things here um, to keep in mind in terms of how these things are reported, right? Um, So basically, Alex Smith, Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin were all listed as did not participate. Uh, And basically what they do is they have to list it based on what would have been a full practice. Normally, these reports go Wednesday through Friday or Thursday through Saturday for a Monday night game. Uh, this week, it's Tuesday through Thursday because of a Saturday game. If you play on a Thursday, it's Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. There's all sorts of different classifications. But they make it very clear, uh, as they should, um, that... The report and the designation is based on, again, um, what would have happened if there was a full practice, not just a walkthrough, not just a walkthrough, if there was a full practice. So, in other words, on Tuesday, both teams held walkthroughs. Essentially, Smith, Gibson, McLaurin, Jonathan Allen... And Thomas Davis were all listed as DNP for the Washington football team. Smith, McLaurin, Gibson were all out there stretching and loosening up in the very small window of media practice. I wasn't able to go because I was on the radio at the time, uh, but based on Ben Standing of The Athletic and uh, his podcast, The Standing Room Only Podcast, uh, and based on other reporters, uh, and Ben came on my radio show to kind of fill us in, um, you know, all those guys were out there loosening up, stretching, and warming up, but it was a very quick media session, and it was like five minutes in and out, so they really couldn't tell anything. And then they were, again, officially listed as DNP, right? So, again, they were doing something. They did not participate, or they're listed as a DNP because if it was a full practice, 
they would not have participated at all. But because it was a walkthrough, it was a different situation, if that makes sense. Now, on top of that, the Washington football team also uh, has, um, uh, basically they have, you know, a couple limited guys uh, in terms of, um, you know, who they listed on Tuesday, and that was Brandon Sheriff, who was limited with his shoulder, and Kevin Pierre-Lewis, who was limited with his ankle. He's, of course, missed the last couple of games. Now, Sheriff is a little bit of a concern just because, you know, again, he's had so many injuries. Again, he was limited, which is better than no, uh, and if it was really bad, I would assume he wouldn't have uh, he would have been listed as a DNP. Um, so I don't think we should be too worried about that. But, uh, you know, of course, anybody with an injury history, you do worry about uh, a little bit. In terms of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Mike Evans was listed again as a DNP. Now, Bruce Arians said about Mike Evans and about Carlton Davis, their top corner, who's dealing with a groin and who is also listed as DNP. Again, they were out there stretching. They were out there loosening up. That's a better sign than not being out there at all. But they would not have participated if it was a full practice. Now, we'll see what happens on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, but the bottom line is, is that's how they do these injury reports. So it is what it is. Um, all right. So here's the deal. In addition to that, we'll have one more bit of news for you. Brandon Sheriff, uh, we just mentioned him on the injury report. He has officially been named as the team's Ed Block Courage Award recipient. So congratulations to him, the franchise player, uh, this year for the Washington football team. Uh, he was, a, we found out about this last week because Ron Rivera let it slip that the team voted uh, him. Uh, of course, Alex Smith, who didn't play all of last year, was the Ed Block Courage Award winner last year. Uh, but he did play this year, so it's kind of weird. But uh, it basically, it's you know designed to honor uh, the guys that... Um, show courage and it's named after ed block the longtime head athletic trainer of the baltimore colts uh who again was a pioneer and a respected uh medical trainer and all that it was um first presented to baltimore players and then it was expanded in the 80s to include one player uh, from every team. So my understanding is this is a team award. Uh, team players vote on it. I'm sure Ryan Vermillion, the head athletic trainer, is involved in this to some degree. Uh, but it's given annually uh, to the player that displays extraordinary courage in the face of adversity. I don't know, quite honestly, how Brandon Sheriff displayed extraordinary courage in the face of adversity. I, I, honestly, I'm not sure. Uh, he missed three games. He was on IR uh, week three, four, and five. Uh, and he was hurt in week two in Arizona. And he missed five games last year. And, you know, Brandon Sheriff is obviously a good player uh, and at times a great player. And he's very well compensated uh, on a one-year $15 million deal as the franchise tag player. He could receive the franchise tag once again this year uh, at a raise. Uh, but Sheriff is, you know, once again a pro bowler. Uh, again, he's good. I don't know if he's consistently great. That's not my sense 
Uh, and based on some that I talked to, uh, they think he's very good. Um, the word great, I think, is thrown around way too often. Uh, I think I may be a little bit light and there may be a little bit too heavy on him. Uh, I think he's good, sometimes great. They think he's great and nobody's perfect. You know, again, we could reasonably disagree. Um, I've never, ever, ever thought that Brandon Sheriff was completely dominant, completely great all the time or consistently or anything like that. There's just no evidence that he is. Just because you make four Pro Bowls, that doesn't mean you're consistently great. A lot of guys make the Pro Bowl. Uh, you know, it's sometimes that's based on reputation and because a lot of fans and media and coaches and, and the people that vote on players, uh, I should say not, not the media, uh, they don't pay attention, right? They're just voting based on who they recognize and maybe who they made or who made it last year. But nevertheless, Ed Block Courage Award, congratulations to Brandon Scherf. Uh, again, showing extraordinary courage in the face of adversity. Again, I'm not sure what what led to that, um, but to me, Alex Smith should have won it again this year, right? Uh, I mean, and, and and if it could be a coach, obviously it should have been Ron Rivera, uh, not Brandon. And I'm not trying to cut down Brandon Sheriff. I'm just trying to, I don't know where exactly they came up with this. Uh, but nevertheless, it is what it is, so congratulations uh, to him. All right, big playoff game coming up this Wednesday, uh, this Wednesday, this Saturday night at FedEx Field. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Ron Rivera and the Washington football team. Let's hear from the head coach of the Washington football team next on a potential quarterback plan that we talked about on yesterday's episode or on the last episode. You'll hear it from him in his words and as he answered questions about the whole situation so you can kind of determine uh, for yourself. That's next right here on the Locked On Washington football team podcast. All right, guys, we're brought to you by... 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January the 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, I'm Chris Russell. We're back here on the Locked On Washington football team podcast. As you know, 2020 mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start. few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to the Locked On Bets podcast with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcast, which is 
right here. Uh, appreciate you guys being with us. Let's hear from head coach Ron Rivera of the Washington football team from Tuesday, starting off with my question. Hey, Ron, good, uh, good morning. Um, just curious, you know, if Alex's calf tightens up, I guess, or, or gets worse, as he kind of admitted uh, over the course of a game, what are some of the things that you guys can do to, I guess, mitigate that, maybe take some pressure off? Is there anything schematically that you're willing to discuss that you might be able to help him with? Um, well, there are some things you can. And, and again, those are some of the things that we did, we did do uh, this past week. And um, I, 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 you know, honestly, the thing that we have to be willing to do and, and, and we have to really think about is whether or not to rotate him in and out with, with, uh, with Taylor. I mean, we, we have to definitely look at that. We, we, you know, it's, I mean, there's nothing you can do, but I mean, that's the truth of the matter. Um, we're going to play a very aggressive defense uh, this week. And, you know, obviously it's something we most certainly have to look at. I want to go back to something you referenced yesterday. You mentioned the idea of David versus Goliath. Um, I won't ask you about the game film from that one, but I did want to uh, touch on that idea of the team that's the big underdog in the playoffs, the sub 500 record that you've been in that position before you touched on that a bit yesterday. But one thing I wanted to ask you about was the idea of belief and how much a coach's job is to instill that belief if that's just an element you, you do need to address and maybe you did in 2014 with your team in this similar situation. And I'm wondering whether back then, having had the example to point to in recent years of Seattle, having won its wild card game as a team under 500, if that was something he pointed to and if that helped having had an example like that? Oh, most certainly. I mean, again, you know, and I said it yesterday, I'm not apologizing for getting in with a, a sub 500 record um, because at the end of the day, we want our division. It, it doesn't matter how you do it. It's, it's, a, it's a matter of getting into it. Now, if, if people don't think you have an opportunity, people don't think you have a chance, um, great. But it, it's, it's my job to make sure our players believe we have an opportunity, we have a chance. And that's the thing that, you know, I want our guys to understand, you know, we're, we're here, um, you know, by our, by our good graces, um, you know, about the things that we did to put ourselves in position. I mean, with Alex as our starting quarterback, we've won five in a row. And, and, and that's something to point to. That's something to say, look at what we've done. And we also point to the fact that we, 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 we played and, and we're fortunate enough to have beat Pittsburgh, you know? Um, so let's, you know, let, let's look at all the things that we've done and accomplished uh, and, and point to that. And that's what I'm going to do. I mean, that, that's what I, that's what I do as a head coach. I, I have to instill that kind of belief, that kind of trust, that kind of understanding. If I'm not, and I'm not successful at doing it, I'm not going to be here very long. Uh, trust me. I, I get that part of it uh, about being a, a, a head coach in the NFL. My job is to do exactly that. And that's what I intend to do with our team is to get them to understand and truly believe in the things that we're trying to get accomplished here as a football team, as an organization. Do you know whether your players know about what happened with Carolina in 2014? Other than um, I hope they have, because I've talked about it. Um, and I hope some of them know the, uh, you know, the recent history. It, it, it's, you know, cause it's an, it's an important thing because again, you know, it, it, and you hear it over and over and over and over again. Um, you just have to get in. And, and, and I think Pittsburgh was the last team to, 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 to win a Super Bowl as a, uh, as a wildcard team as well. 
um, you know, and, and, and they're a team that barely got in, but yet they went through it and they want it all. So, you know, to me, there's a lot of examples to point at and say, you don't have to be the number one seed to win the Super Bowl. You just have to be in the tournament. And, and that's where we are. We are in the tournament, you know, and now it's a matter of us going out, doing our job, playing to the best of our abilities and maybe getting lucky. You know, maybe we catch Tampa on a bad day. You know, maybe we catch Tom Brady on a bad day. Uh, but we have to, you know, do our job still. We have to play. We can't, we can't hope, you know, somebody else does our job. We have to do our job. Thank you. Uh, I don't think Sam's on. Nikki, you could take his question. Um, hi, Ron. Um, this is from Sam. Um, about Tom Brady, he was wondering if, you know, you got a lot of young defenders who grew up watching him. And I know there was that clip of, of Chase when he went up to Big Ben and was kind mm -hmm. of in admiration of him. Do you, do you talk to your young guys about it? Do you, do you like the fact that they grew up admiring him? And yeah. I think that's cool, Nikki, because, because um, the reason being is that, that just tells you, you know, they want to emulate those guys. They want to be like those guys, you know, and who wouldn't want to be like uh, Tom Brady or, or, or Ben Roethlisberger? Cause those guys are champions. You know, they've been champions. And, 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 and so you, you see guys like that. You say, man, what makes those guys special? And that's, what's cool about it. I mean, believe me, I, I you know, I get a little bit of fanboy in me too. You know, um, I, I do, there's certain guys I do get excited about meeting. There's certain guys I said, wow. You know, I mean, to me, you know, Joe Montana was, was one of those really cool, iconic players. Um, you know, and, and even the guy I played against and coached, uh, you know, Brett Favre. I mean, there's some guys that are just over the top as far as iconic to me. And, and I've, I've always thought that was cool. Um, you know, that, that, that I either got to play with those guys or I played against those guys. And now some of these guys I've coached against, you know, um, and, and I've coached a lot of great linebackers, but getting to meet Ray Lewis, I thought was really cool. And, and I was a coach at the time. So I, I think there's uh, something to be said about that. And to me, you know, that, that shot of, of, Chase going over and, 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 and shaking Ben's hand during warmups that, that I thought was really cool. Cause I, I saw it happen. I mean, you know, cause, because Chase had come up to me and he goes, man, I, you know, I want to, I want, I, I want to get after Ben. I, I want to get, no, I, I want to get Ben. And I said, Hey, don't worry. You'll get your chances during the game. You know, he said, no, now. So he ran over and, and introduced himself. I mean, that, you know, just tells me how much he loves the game of football. And I think that's really cool. I really do because, you know, as I said yesterday, I, I, I want guys that love playing professional football on our side. I really do. And he's one of those guys. And we're fortunate that we have a whole bunch of those kind of guys. Uh, planning on rotating quarterbacks is obviously a very rare thing and maybe it's unheard of in the postseason. What, what would you like about sort of the flexibility that could give you? And then maybe what sort of difficulties would that, uh, put on your team and, and on the okay. offense specifically, if you had to go that route? Just so you know, I, I, I didn't say I was going to do it. I said, maybe it's something we need to think about. Um, but I wouldn't worry about it because our game plan is what our game plan is. And that's what it's been. Um, that's the biggest thing, you know, is, is that going into a game, you have one game plan. Now you may call certain things a few more times for a different quarterback, as opposed to a specific quarterback, that might be one thing you do, but to, to have two separate game plans, you're, you're asking for way too much of your team. And that's why it's important to have 
in my opinion, have quarterbacks that know your system, understand your system, been part of your system. And, and that's why we brought Taylor in a few weeks back, because here's a guy that had been in the system uh, a few times. So uh, that was one of the benefits about having Taylor Heineke around. When it comes to Alex's calf, is this something that can get better or do you think it's where it is at this point in the season? Oh, now you're asking for a doctor thing. I, I couldn't tell you. I, I, believe me, if there's one thing I've learned is you, you, you don't want to make certain comments about players' health and, 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 and what it means. Um, I, could, I really couldn't tell you. I really couldn't. Thank you. Hey, Ron, when, when evaluating whether you guys would even consider rotating, are there other teams or other games you can look at to see whether it's been done successfully? Like, where do you even draw from when thinking of stuff like that? Um, you know, and again, like I said, guys, it, it, it's just something that came up today. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I couldn't tell you whether you, you want to do it or you don't want to do it. I couldn't tell you if there's, if there's value to doing it or if somebody's done it successfully. Um, I just know this, you know, we'll address it when it happens. And then, um, unrelated to that, but, um, with Tom Brady, you know, he's 43 years old. Just what are you seeing from him in terms of how he's performing, even at, at his age? Um, I don't know if you can – I mean, I, I didn't realize he was 43 because I tell you what, he throws the ball like he's 23. He really does. He, 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 he's – you know, he's got the arm strength. He, he delivers a good ball. Um, he's, he's still, you know, who he is. Uh, and, and that's the scary part is, is, is you know, he, he, he may be that age, but he sure doesn't play like it. I, I know he's um, – you know, when you watch him, uh, I, I know he spreads it around too. That's the other thing because you can't sit there and say, "Oh, he's going to throw to Gronk, or he's going to throw to Mike, or he's going to, you know, he's going to throw to, to to Brown." I mean, he he's going to do what he does uh, based on what he sees and his years of experience. Hey, Ron, I know you say you're not necessarily doing; you're just considering it. But what would be the things that would take you down that path? What would you not see from Alex that would would lead you to go that direction? Well, I just know this guys, as we go through the game and, 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 and we get into certain situations or circumstances, we may have to consider something like that. I, I just, I can't, I can't get here and tell you what it would be or wouldn't be, it, you know, it, it's going to have to be something that comes up in the moment of the game. And how did you feel that Alex's movement was um, against the Eagles? Well, I thought he had his moments, you know, that, that first drive was, was, was what we were looking for. Um, I will tell you the drive just before halftime was exactly, it was excellent. Um, you know, and, and there are a couple of things that, you know, that happened, unfortunately that you said, Oh man, wish he had, he could have stepped away from that. But again, you know, as long as he's performing and doing the things that, that he needs to do to help us, you know, we'll, we'll keep rolling. Thank you, Ron. Hey Ron, um, obviously over the course of uh, the season, you're game planning for the opponent, but to, probably only to some degree because it's one of 16 you got to worry about yourself showing too much whatever it may be but now that it's this you know situation the chess match gets heightened and I'm just wondering having gone through this as a coach how much you enjoy this particular aspect putting your coaching staff essentially against another one to try to figure out adv advantages I think it's cool I mean I, that, that's really what it's about it, it's funny because um I know there have been a lot of things that, you know, that, that we've talked about adding or allowing coaches to do on the sideline. And, and, and I've advocated against a lot of those things, you know, um, I, I love the chess match and I think it's important. I, I think the chess match is, is one of those things that you, you, you definitely match up against one another. You know, you work all week 
to, to, to see how you can handle things, how you can do things, how you can attack them. Um, and then all of a sudden they come out and do something different. How quickly do you adjust? Do you make good adjustments at halftime? That I think is important. I, I really do. And, 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 uh, you know, and, and I've been one of those guys that has advocated against certain things on the sidelines, like, you know, like, like, like the video. I mean, uh, I like the fact that you can look at the pictures and you can use the tablets to look at the pictures. Um, I'm not one of those that's for the actual video on the, on the tablets. I, I, I'm against that because to me, you know, this is why we work. This is why we, we, we spend those ungodly hours, you know, these, these, what these coaches have done in terms of preparing uh, for the game. And then now you've got to see exactly just how good you are, you know, in, in calling plays and adjusting plays, you know, and then something happens on and you come to the sideline and you make those corrections and then you go in at halftime and you make more corrections and then you come into the second half. I think that's cool. That that's, that to me is what coaching is, but not just about training your players, developing your players as, 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 as football players and young men, but it's also about the, the strategies, the game, plan, game planning, and the adjustments that you have to make. I think that that, I think, is, is, is the essence of coaching, you know, is, is mentoring and strategizing. Um, I, I, like I said, I've always, I've always struggled when they add extra layers that supposedly help us on the sidelines. Because to me, when you start doing that, you're helping the lesser um, to have a chance to, to, to correct and make adjustments. No, if you haven't prepared, if you don't haven't developed yourself as a strategist, you should get beat. And that's kind of the way I look at it. Is there a specific moment from back either when your coordinator days or Carolina days that you remember sort of that, wow, this was so cool that maybe either it was during the week or at the game that you thought of and you guys were able to execute? Yeah, there are. I mean, you, you sit there and, and, and you come to the sideline and you see something like a formation you hadn't seen before and you see them run this play off of it and you tell them, hey, they got to come back to this. But when you see this formation, you have to expect this. You have to anticipate this. And then to have them do that, and all of a sudden your guy makes a play, he comes to the sideline says, I saw it, I saw it. And that's why, you know, and you just, you know, you just know. And so that's the things that, that, that as, a, as a signal caller, as a, as a coach, that, that it makes it all worth it because you've prepared, you've seen it, the guys have handled it and they've done a great job with it and you win. That's, that's the benefit of it. And as I said, that's, that's why, you know, we're here. That's what we're supposed to do. You know, to me, when you start adding on layers and saying, Oh, this is to help you, this help you, you know, then you can really hire anybody. All right, that is part of Ron Rivera. Thanks to WashingtonFootball.com. When we finish up the Locked on Washington football team podcast, we'll hear from Tampa Bay Bucks head coach Bruce Arians. That's next. All right, guys, if you're looking for some action this weekend with six NFL playoff games, of course, the College Football National Championship coming up uh, the day after that, Monday night, we have a place and an invitation for you. It is at betonline.ag. That's right. Go where I go and use the promo code locked on and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. There's only one place I trust and we trust to have a little action on the games and that's betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, guys. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. 
If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, we wrap up the Locked On Washington football team podcast here with Bruce Arians, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hey, Bruce. Um... I know it was kind of a walkthrough practice, but can you just uh, update us on, on sort of the progress that, that Mike Evans has made and, and for that matter, Carlton Davis was there as well? Yeah, they both were full participants in the walkthrough. Had it been a regular practice, they'd have been out. Uh, but uh, got our fingers crossed for both those guys to make it this week. And, you know, you've had uh, early in the season, um, some of the games you've struggled on offense were against teams that – uh, have a really good pass rush, whether that's, you know, the, the Saints or the Rams, what have you. Um, obviously, Washington does, too. Uh, why do you think that is? And, and do you think that uh, the progress your team has made overall, um, how do you combat that? How do you combat that pass rush? You block them. You know, you just gotta, guys got to block them. You know, Tristan hasn't had much problem all year. Uh, and uh, the in, inside, these guys move around, you know. They'll be in different spots. So just identifying who you got and block them. And uh, there's no secret to it. It's all about blocking and tackling. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. I will go over to Greg Allman. Hey, Bruce, we, we talked about this kind of when you made the change and saw a big improvement in penalties, uh, kind of maybe week six, week seven. But just want to ask you how, how pleased you are. You guys end up leading the NFL in net penalty yards, uh, 300 yards less on flags than your opponents. Just just what the key to that was and, and why you guys made such a step forward. I think it was just, a, it was just a, a decision uh, by the players to uh, to accept responsibility. Uh, Levante spoke up about it after the Chicago game. and Just quit beating ourselves. Uh, the other team's hard enough to beat without beating yourselves. And our guys made a concerned effort. And um, it really has paid off. Thanks, Bruce. We're going to go over to the Washington media for a few questions. We're going to lead off with Les Carpenter. Hey, uh, Bruce, Les Carpenter, Washington Post. Um, something I was curious about with you is what do you think is the kind of the most essential thing a quarterback must have to be, to be successful in this league? What, what is the one trait he must possess? Uh, he's got to be able to um, have a quick twitch fiber in his brain. If you can't make split decisions, you really can't play the position. You can be the best athlete in the world, but you have to be able to – decipher things so fast and uh if, if you can't decipher fast you could really, you're really going to struggle in this game is that learnable or is that just going to be natural you, you have to I, have that I, I think it's learnable but uh <laughs> you're going to get beat up while you're learning <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> all right we'll go over to Rhiannon Walker Hi, Bruce. Rena Walker with The Athletic in D.C. Uh, my question is about Lori uh, Locus and the fact that you and Washington both have female coaches on your staff, which means for the first time in NFL history in a playoff game, there'll be two women on both sidelines. One is a champion for women being in the coaching ranks and just in football in general. What does that mean to you to be a part of that? But then also, too, what does she be able to do with this defensive line that she's been assistant coaching on? She's done a great job. And, uh, yeah, I'm really, really proud of her. Her and Maral Javitafar also are strength coach. 
Um, so we'll have two women on our sideline coaching and do a great job. And, uh, you know, I know Ron's always been, a, you know, we run a panel once together uh, on diversity. And uh, so I, I think it's, it's huge. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's the wave of the future. Yeah, just to build on that, how's your and Ron's relationship? You know, it seems like you guys end up in a lot of those same places as, as two kind of advocates for, for minority hiring in the game. Yeah, I mean, uh, I got to know Ron. He came out and played in our golf tournament, he and his wife in Arizona uh, for our foundation. And, uh, you know, tried to text him, call him a few times when I heard about his, his diagnosis. And, uh, you know, just, just I think he's, I think the world of him. I think he's a great, great coach, but he's a better human being. Hey, Bruce, um, it looks like you had a choice to get Rojo a thousand yards at the very end of the Falcons game once you put the game away or get Antonio Brown his $250,000 bonus with those catches. Can you speak to what went into that decision at the end of the game? Yeah, I wasn't going to risk Rojo's finger. I mean, he, he showed me what I needed to see. Uh, there's no incentive for a thousand yards. Uh, so uh, it's a, it's a pride thing. And uh Antonio had an incentive that the, the guys wanted to get. And then uh, there's been some media speculation about some of your coordinators getting interest as head coaching candidates, some of your assistants as possible coordinator, coordinator candidates. Have teams actually reached out to schedule interviews with any of your coaches? And if so, who? I would think Jason would have that information uh, because they have to put in the paperwork through Jason. And uh, so far, I'm not aware of any. Thank you, Bruce. You bet. All right, we'll go over to James Palmer. Hey, Bruce, you, you've been pretty open. Byron, Tom, your receivers, about the growing pains with Tom and this offense were going to happen throughout the year. And I'm just curious, was there ever a time where you thought maybe you'd run out of time with, you know, the shortened off season before you hit the playoffs to get it clicking or, or the process throughout the year where there moments where you were just concerned it wouldn't come together in time come, come playoff time? Not real. I just knew how close we were. And, uh, you know, we were, we were getting better and better, closer and closer. And, um, you know, after the bye week, a lot of things fell into place. And uh, even, even heading into that, we were getting better. So I just saw, I saw the gradual progress. It was just going to be a matter of time. You mentioned the gradual project, uh, progress, but were there any moments where you saw kind of like a leap or, or like you mentioned the bye week? Was there ever a week where you just saw it take a, a, a really big step? Were there any of those type of moments too? Yeah, I don't think there was one exact moment. Uh, if you're going to point to anything, I'd say the second half of the Atlanta game. Uh, and then, but before that, we were already playing better um, and just screwed up a few protections in that game. But it was really a collective um, getting better offensive line, tight ends, running backs, everybody in protection, uh, and then the receivers and quarterbacks all being together. We have time for a few more. We're going to go over to Stephen Wino. Hey, Bruce. Not, not to bring up bad memories, but you were coaching Arizona when uh, you lost to Ron Rivera's Carolina team a few years ago in the playoffs that was under 500. I'm wondering what you kind of remember from that game and if there's any lessons from that that you take into this one. Which one? <laughs> we lost twice. <laughs> when, when, yeah. when, when Carolina was 7-8-1. and one. Yeah, the, uh, we had our fourth-string quarterback, and uh, it wasn't much fun. You know, we signed Ryan Lindley off the street, and we're actually playing against the other quarterback, Logan Thomas, is now tight end for the Redskins. So um, you know, all their guys had gotten hurt, and uh, it was still a close game. I mean, it came down to a, uh, an interception down on the goal line, and it was a very frustrating game. 
All right, our last one's going to come from John Romano. Along those same lines, Bruce, uh, Rivera recently said that Washington is playing with house money. Um, even though they're seven and nine, is there something unnerving about playing a team that basically has nothing to lose? No, uh, they have a, they got a lot to lose. Um, but we don't see them as a seven and nine team. We see them as a four and one team. Because every time Alex Smith has played, uh, they, they went four and one and had a plus three turnover margin. So it's a different team when Alex is playing. And, uh, and we know that we're playing, we're playing that four and one team, not that seven and nine team. All right, and that's a part of Bruce Harrian's press conference from earlier this week with the Tampa Bay media and some of the Washington media. Appreciate the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Public Relations Department and Communications Department led by my pal Michael Pahanic. It'll be good to see Michael this weekend. Uh, we appreciate them making that available for us. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Locked on Washington football team podcast, a crossover Thursday episode coming up uh, with Locked on Bucks. We'll get into it. And we'll get after it as we lead you up till kickoff Saturday night, 8.15 on NBC, the Team 980, and the Washington Football Team Radio Network. And, of course, we'll be here to talk about it on Sunday and into the new week, win or lose. I'm Chris Russell. Adios. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.